Hey, this is Zen Perry. Thanks for listening to the Zen Perry Project. I have a few requests of you before we get into the show. First is go to Zen Perry Project, Z-E-N-P-E-R-R-Y Project on Instagram. Give us a follow. Second is make sure you follow and turn on notifications for our episodes wherever you listen to the Zen Perry Project. And third is share the show with somebody. Maybe send them an episode they'd be interested in. Without further ado, here's the show. Thanks for listening. How you doing today? Doing all right. How about you, man? I am doing real good. Uh, so I am here with Hunter Kelly of Trestles. Hi, that's me. That is you. And you just had an album come out, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but let's let's get into uh, Trestles. How how did y'all start as a band? Uh, Trestles sort of came out of the ashes of my little high school band project that I had with two of my buddies, Jackson and Cameron. And that was kind of like my whole creative outlet in high school. And, you know, the pandemic hits in my last few years of that. And uh, I find out everyone's kind of moving away. And I'm like, well, you know, darn, I want to keep playing music. So I'm going to start a new band. And so over the course of uh, quarantine, I had a little group of friends who would meet online and just kind of like talk to keep each other sane, essentially. and. Um, it, it was out of that that my, my friend Sophia, she uh, kind of got the first gig at a venue slot for me and my band, which I didn't have anymore. And so it was at that point where we kind of just said, hey, you and I, we could start something. We put out a song or two, and uh, that's kind of how it all started. Yeah. Uh, and let's talk about the band members. Who, name everybody in the band, what they do, maybe how you met them. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, so Sophia was the first one to start this with me. She plays bass in the band. Um, I, I met her just through that sort of online group of friends chatting to her mutuals. And uh, uh, she's now come down to UCSC and uh, got to spend some time in town with her. And that's how we started the band. From where? Uh, then there is my... Where, where, uh, where did she come down from? Oh, she was from Novato originally up there, Marin County. She a couple of places. I think she was in Berkeley for a while. But um, so we met online when she was still living up there. And then she came down for college. And that's, that's how that started. Um, also in the band is Milena Clark, who plays drums. And I I went to high school with her, although she's a couple years older than me. So we never really like chatted, chatted. But she... Uh, she connected when me and Sophia started putting stuff out saying, hey, I need a drummer. And uh, so we kind of knew each other a little bit. And um, but she had all this past experience of being like, you know, properly trained to play an instrument, unlike the rest of us. And uh, so she brings a lot to the table. Very glad to have her. OK. Um, and then also we have Jackson Jones on guitar, who was my buddy from my original uh, high school band. So we've been playing together for as long as I've been playing. So it's uh, nice to have someone who I'm, you know, kind of comfortable with and have a history with. And uh, so, yeah, that that's the band. But we do frequently collaborate with um, my buddy Cooper Weens on the album and he sings in the songs and he plays in Trestles every time he's in town. But I think he's taking some time for uh, college down south right now. And also uh, Milena's good friend, Sean O'Connell, has been playing keys for us live recently. So we've sort of surrounded ourselves with lots of people willing to help to you know add to the project yeah it's like truly a community focus it seems like oh, yeah. absolutely uh yeah. when did you start playing 
Um, I started teaching myself the guitar in eighth grade because, you know, I think I thought girls would start talking to me if I did. So that was, you know, that was that was how I started down that path. And then I kind of got more interested in just like the artsy side of music. And it's like there's more to it than that. And um, so I started that about eighth grade freshman year, start the band with my friends. And um, we started, you know, playing shows or whatever it is at that age, you know, just going outside of um you know, art and wine festival, you've set up outside front, get whatever gigs you basically can scavenge at that age. But um, so I consider that the start of my gigging career. Um, what were you started playing along to, uh, I guess, when you first started playing in general in eighth grade? Uh, when uh, Just the sort of the, the, the edgy high school band you like, you listen to your Nirvana, your, your Chili Peppers, just your introduction to basic alternative rock with most kids, I think uh that the sort of stuff that excites you at that age and um that was that was all we were when we were um in high school just kind of jamming on covers of stuff like that yeah well what do you you remember your first like song that you maybe nailed on guitar actually yes i do know this one so it was for it was actually for the eighth grade talent show i got together a group of my friends um and we just you know ripped a mad smells like teen spirit and i didn't want to smash my guitar but i wanted to be kurt cobain so i i brought a ukulele to sub in at the end and do the whole smash and you know pretend i'm sick but uh that that was the first song i performed in front of an audience i believe that probably got some people out to your shows maybe way down the line they're like that was that dude who smashed yeah. the ukulele. i remember that eighth grader he was pretty rad yeah i'd yeah. like to think how was that received <laughs> at the time people really stoked on it i'm sure they were it was cool. I mean, I that definitely what got me into, you know, getting excited by playing live. That's like the first experience ever. And when it's uh when it's sort of that young, you feel like you're the only person who could do it, even though I'm, you know, sure tunnel vision, like anyone could play guitar, right? But I think I'm like, Yeah, look at me, I'm up here doing something I don't see anyone else doing. So that that started my passion for the the live performance aspect of it for sure. Let's uh Fast forward a little bit to high school. What were some like notable shows you maybe played that you can kind of remember as something like formative or something you were stoked on that was maybe bigger? I do remember the the first turning point with my high school band. And this this band's called Speedwalker. We still sometimes get together today and jam on some newer, weirder music. But with Speedwalker, um, we had this one gig that I like we'll always remember as being kind of like the peak of my high school career, I guess, it was that there was a battle of the bands in Palo Alto. And uh, it was sort of like a whoever brings the most friends should win because it's a voting based system. So we we're like, OK, we're going to be hosed here. We'll bring up this, the, the five or so friends that are willing to come. But it's a bunch of local bands from that area. And we had we, we went in thinking we had no shot and we were more doing it just for fun. And uh, it was like this weird elimination system where they had judges and judges could save a band if they didn't get votes. And we got saved all the way until the end, basically, in the final round where it was it was us and a band that I think was honestly quite a bit better than us. And uh, I think it was it was the whole the Santa Cruz shout out. And there were some people who uh, were coming out for other bands that uh, everyone kind of rallied behind our cause and voted us to win. And when we won a battle of the bands in high school, I, I was on cloud nine. That was like the greatest experience of my life at that time. And uh, that, that gig was felt big 
you know, there was, there was something about it, but that's my, that's my big high school memory. Yeah. How old were you at the time? Oh God. I want to say 16, 17, something like that. So, uh, the grand scheme of things, I guess it wasn't that long ago, although it feels like forever ago. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 19. Yeah. I guess it wasn't really that long ago. Not really. Uh, so, I mean, you were, that was like just pre pandemic, right? Yeah. That was just pre pandemic. And that was, that was the real unfortunate thing about that is because that felt like the ultimate, like push for momentum. And then we just booked a, uh, a catalyst atrium gig after that. And we were all excited to go and be like, yeah, we're a real band now, you know, kind of go back home to uh, high school and kind of brag about it a little bit. But then the pandemic hit and we never ended up getting to play those shows. And that was just, I, I think, I believe that battle of the bands was like February, 2020. So it was like a week before the great disaster began. Yeah. Dang. Well, so, I, the cool thing is like pushed you to actually go through with it. I, during the pandemic and like keep on talking about it you seem obviously still hyped um so yeah let's go into actual let's go into trestles now um what's been your experience with like kind of the reception i mean you guys are kind of taken taken off uh especially for like a newer band i mean this is this is a prime prime time for you i mean like some of the new songs that you have like let me just look at examples like off your just your new album you just released 38,000 uh you know spins on some of these you know, on your first song or sorry rip curl sweatshirt or sorry <laughs> oh yeah that's what it says yeah i was gonna be like rest in peace curl sweatshirt no nailed it yeah um that was a mouthful yeah so what, how do you how do you feel about the reception is this is this like kind of almost you, what you expected like you you're packing shows in santa cruz you're you're playing around um what are your thoughts it came much faster than one might expect because i mean i did i did that whole i mean i don't know how serious you could talk about it but that that whole high school band operation was seemed like my whole world at that point and nothing happens nothing happens nothing happens nothing happens and then all of a sudden trestles off the start and i think a lot of it was fueled by that kind of post-pandemic like need to get outside and interact with something and just the timing was kind of the perfect storm for us where our first show was at this venue, the Phoenix Theater in Petaluma, where I, it was either the first or second show back and people just came in numbers. And when your first show you ever play is to like 300 people, it, it kind of, it, it gives you the start and the momentum to just be like, okay, keep the ball rolling, keep the ball rolling. And I, you know, my parents always say just like hard work, good, good things come to those who work hard essentially. And I figured if I work really hard at this band project and constantly put more and more music out and play as many shows and meet as many people as I can, that it would kind of, you know, become something else. But the rate at which it came, the reception of the UCSC scene in particular has just been so overwhelmingly awesome. And uh, I, I really appreciate kind of the trajectory that this band has been on and how quickly, you know, we've covered the ground that we have who booked that uh phoenix theater show like how how did that happen how did you get so many people out because that you're based in santa cruz so yeah absolutely it's you know that's that's a weird one for sure but um so sophia got me that gig and it was for that you know that gig that we started having a band basically she got this gig before we had a band and we had to build a band just to fill the slot at the show and um 
I think it's it it wasn't us because there was there was three other bands on the bill who were like from there so i'm sure they they helped a lot but i think it was more just the community of that venue it's a very pro artist kind of just a lot of kids spend their whole days there hanging out it's bordering on a squat but it's the coolest thing i've ever seen there's just kids skating in the main room whenever it's not being used as a venue and these sort of have like a crazy tight-knit community of just you know getting excited about and you know music that comes through whoever it is especially when it's smaller acts and um it, it absolutely had nothing to do with us being there but there was that many people there and that was a lot of eyes on us at the beginning and so that I, th- I think that 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 was huge. Having that be your first show is kind of irregular, but that post-pandemic energy just kind of made it what it was. Yeah, and you guys are more or less like, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good party music. It's good, like fun, you know, uh, dance music kind of popping around. You said something to me when we were talking uh, a little bit ago about uh like your transition from like surf rock maybe into something else can you like elaborate on that like do you do you remember this conversation yeah yeah no absolutely on a beautiful rainy day at aldo's yeah uh we so we uh, early inspiration just sort of came from there's this playlist on spotify that i listen to that i just adore and it's called surf rock sunshine and like a lot of like just kind of surface level indie classics as well as just any any sort of like fun upbeat song that's got a you know a real reverby guitar and 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 a positive energy i guess and so that was definitely kind of the the root ideas of of what i thought this band should sound like it just that's what i think santa cruz should sound like that that's how i feel just living here and making a sound that is very intentionally like sort of reflects that I guess was the inspiration for that sort of start. And although it's not, it's nothing like, you know, your old surf standards of like your Apache or your, uh, your Dick Dale, all that sort of fun stuff, but it's got, it's got sonic textures in there that are very much influenced from that. You just get a drippy reverby guitar playing single note lines and it sounds pretty cool. Gives it just enough sort of surf that it feels Santa Cruz to me. What are you sort of rocking for your pedals or your your guitar tone or sound that maybe reflects that? And maybe what's something a little bit different that you use to kind of uh, sound in your band? Uh, me and Jackson sort of love Fender guitars in particular, just because like I feel like that image is just like the, the, the classic, like the 50s ads of like some guy with the jazz master on a surfboard or something like that. And that just sort of feels like that era and sort of bringing those you know, guitars that everyone uses, but use them sort of how they were intentionally designed for with, you know, a lot of reverb through a spring amp. And that that's kind of the sound. That's the sauce. It's nothing, nothing too um, brave by any means, but it, it serves the sound well, I think. And bringing it to a more like garage rocky sound kind of makes it a little more edgier and a little more exciting in my opinion. What do you think like, how do your band members what do you think uh has kind of because you guys are there's definitely elements of surfiness to it but i mean you work with so many different people in the band like what sort of what sort of like directions does everybody take in the band or what sort of like different sort of music styles um pop up you know you know what i'm saying like kind of yeah who's, who's spreading it out who's making you guys sound bigger than just surf rock i i 
I, I think most like, so my role, I feel like is just to sort of direct it to like that kind of surfy vibe where it's like, it's, it, it's got an idea, but the rest of them are so musically broad and like everything that they have. And so they're, the rest of the band, I think, makes it something else. What makes it more than just that, you know, a boring indie track that like I could have written. They, they, they bring a lot of musicality to the table. They've, they've all kind of, they've all studied jazz, which is, you know, interesting and weird. And I don't know if that really comes through so much as there, if it's just like sort of chops that it gave them. But no, I think everyone in this band listens to very, very different music. Like just because I'm sort of like funneling it in a direction like all the interesting other stuff that comes out is is largely due to the other members of my band yeah what what do you guys sort of listen to when you're traveling around together in the same car um i think the common ground and this is like the baseline like holy grail band for us that sort of inspires what makes a good like pop rock song is it's the strokes you like bar none best band it's beatles worship and it's beautiful it's it's the modern approach of, you know, kind of making pop music a little more exciting with guitars, and it's 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 building blocks, and we love it. We love well, it. I just watched um, was it Meet Me in the Bathroom? Oh, uh, is that out? Yeah, it's on uh, it's on Showtime. So if you get Showtime on some streaming service, get it for on Hulu. You get it for like three months, and it's like ninety nine cents a month, and then you cancel it because I couldn't find anything else I'd really care about on there exactly um, but it's out there yeah and uh for anybody who's kind of listening it's just about early 2000s in new york city um and like uh yeah yeah yeah's and strokes basically and then um another band which i cannot remember the name of that i really enjoyed was it the hives as well what's that hives as well uh i didn't notice I, I, the hives can't remember there was like a third one and i'm i'm totally yeah, like i know it's just like that whole early garage New York scene is just, you know, kind of the basis of everything we do. So I've definitely been meaning to get out. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jackson told me about that film a while ago when it was first announced. And I was very excited. I haven't really publicly said this anywhere, but I am um, I'm moving to New York City in February. Whoa. I'm just um, I'm excited. It's time, it's time for me to move on, try the music scene out there a little bit. So if you guys ever come out, I'll uh, do my best to. Uh, you know, send you off, get some shows for you or whatever. Um, cool. Let's talk about the production on the album. Um, who produced it? Where'd you guys do it? And then we'll kind of go in more into the songs. But what's like the broad picture? What were you kind of thinking about when you were just starting to record this album? Um, we were just excited to kind of put music out in a big package because we had we had been a song band at that point so just you know single after single after single and they were all done a different way so putting together one coherent piece of work was you know just a big enough idea in itself that we kind of didn't go in with too much of a plan uh originally we were getting help from our buddy cj who um has his own record label that he's running called ikaika records and he basically gave us a bro deal and was like, hey, since you're my first real like kind of like rock band project I'm working on, I'll give you real good rates on my stuff. And uh, we, you know, we appreciated him for it. And we recorded, we tracked the drums at our practice space um, at Milena's house, just kind of in her little basement where we practice. And then we recorded every layer after that in um, CJ's home studio. 
and um we didn't know what we were doing essentially that this was that we we were just excited to do it there was no plan um and it it was good but then the summer kind of hit and you know Sophia has to go back home I start picking up a full-time job and we get really busy essentially and uh, our buddy CJ does too and so he produces the track Rip Curl Sweatshirt uh we drop it as a single and then we kind of realize that we want to take over production because we just bought a ton of gear and we're like okay we don't want to make this guy re-record it and we've already like paid him you know he he's maxed out his rate on us and we've spent way too much time and we feel bad making him do any more work so for the rest of the songs we uh we met up at my place uh while my house was undergoing renovation so we had this big open room that was had not furnished at all so we have this big reverb room recorded the rest of it there sounded pretty cool and uh then i just took over production over the next couple months so yes you guys recorded it yes whoa that is surprising um it sounds great i mean i was Thanks. just listening on my nice speakers at at home and i just i was bumping it um yeah pretty, that's pretty surprising so like so then you, did you guys mix it too or like how did that next process wow yeah so well, i uh, <laughs> i this this was the most stressful long drawn out process of all time because we thought we were saving time by me taking over the job but you know, you, you have a job, you have school, you have all these other things to balance and producing an entire record becomes very overwhelming. Um, every, my band was giving me tips all along the way, but I kind of just had to teach myself everything from like how I'm going to, you know, layer drum samples in to make, you know, the snare a little bit fatter or like how to even process vocals. Cause I, I didn't go in with a ton of experience, but, um, it essentially was just taking time that made it sound as pleasing as it did, I think. And uh, just attention to detail when I had time to do that. But I mixed it all in GarageBand instead of Logic, just because I thought it would be funny to say that my album was mixed on GarageBand. So we did. And uh, there's definitely something about putting yourself in like a creative box where it's like using a software that is so very just limited and fundamental is that kind of, creates the simple sound and like doesn't give me too many options to like really screw it up so i thought you know doing it in garage band would be the way and it, i'm pleased with how it sounds yeah okay uh i'm gonna nerd out for a second how how did you sample i mean because i've seen this happen i know there's programs that do but how did you kind of bump up like a snare sound with like the replacement software especially with garage band yeah so because it's garage band you can't i mean i'm sure there's a way but with with plugins and all that sort of good stuff but i'm not really smart in that sort of way so i just sort of brute labored it and i after quantizing all the drum tracks i would then go in and manually midi track every kick and snare hit so that we can you know kind of beef it up with like if we want to make a certain song have more of like that sort of modern indie production where that snare is just wide and takes up that whole mix and it's got that nice punch to it um but i manually midi tracked all of those and then kind of imported our own sound libraries from um either just the stock garage band ones or uh i'd go on youtube and you know find little mp3 clips of snares you know leaking stems from albums that i like and Dude, I'm, I'm getting 
uh, I'm so pumped on <laughs> what you're saying right now. That's that's wild. I mean, like especially for uh, you know first time production. I mean, you're you're getting nothing but amazing. Yeah, I mean this is this is you guys just first starting out. So when you go yeah. further down the line, you're gonna have so much more, like so many more tools. <laughs> what uh? So let's talk about vocal processing a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, because there's you you do a different song to song, but I love I love kind of the grittiness. And I noticed like kind of the strokes grittiness. How did you uh, how oh, did you do that with uh, with your vocals? <laughs> uh, big, I'm a big sucker for good like fuzzy vocals and uh, yeah. lots of lots of healthy verb uh, attached to that. But um, essentially, a trick that I learned from my buddy Jordan in a band called Hersing with production is kind of always having one like really dry layer. And then if you're going to apply effects to it, then like bring it to a different channel and then start throwing stuff on it so that you could kind of like phase it in and out with each other, which is essentially just doing an effects bus, but like in garage band, but they don't have that. Um, so as long as we like, we, I've, we spent a long, long time perfecting the clean channel. And once you get the crisp sound, that's like audible and really good, then you just, duplicate that layer and start throwing shit on it and then moving it up and down and kind of just uh making sure that the clear one's there so as weird and messed up as you get with the with the fuzz and all those effects that you put on it there's still some level of clarity to it that you can kind of like cut through the mix with how do you uh how do you mess with the clean track what were you kind of looking for out of a clean track on your vocals uh just just like the healthy you know just enough compression to make it sit right and i used a lot of presets to be 100 percent honest with you it's yeah. not like scientist by any means but you just get the you get good compression you get good eq and then um healthy healthy reverb is kind of what it takes to not sound amateurish because uh i don't know reverb can hide a lot of things and the imperfections in my garage band production were very hidden in reverb so that that's just the clean channel but Oh God, I love love putting just loads and loads of gain on it to make those really fuzzy noises, and it's it's great. It's great. Thank you. So yeah, anybody listening out there, you can make a whole freaking album that's well received on GarageBand. Who knew? Um, yeah. Okay, let's go into the songs a little bit. Um, so we got for the songs on the album, we have Dwell, Steering Wheel. Uh, rip curl sweatshirt, backstage girl, Gretchels. Am I saying that right? Getchels. Getchels. Oh, yeah. Getchels. Bad party trick, second peak. That's how it goes. Half past noon and bite the bullets. Okay. First, any anything that comes to mind where you're thinking like something that was particularly difficult to produce or something that you worked mostly on, or something you're really happy about out of those tracks? Uh, I think they all took pretty equal amounts of time because they all were so similar in the process. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like start one song, finish one, start one, finish one. I would do every step of each one as we went. Like I'd start with drums, drum processing. Okay. Let's put some samples on it. Let's record the bass, then guitar layers. And so because they all kind of were built at the same rate, it didn't feel like one in particular was, um, sort of a standout with the major exception of bite the bullet which was a re-imagination of a song we had re released earlier and it was kind of, and it's a song written by sophia and sung by sophia 
where it was originally her and an acoustic guitar. And then I sort of trestleified it for the first version we put out. And it, it sort of lost the charm in it because it's very much a good lyric song and that's more important. So instead we chose to strip it down to just an acoustic guitar and her voice, but we wanted to get kind of artsy with it to make it, you know, cause we like challenging ourselves in that way. And we recorded it on a, uh, a four track tape recorder. So it sounds real like warped and uh, kind of distorted, but doing it that way was kind of our way of, you know, adding some artistic value to it. And she, she had all these ideas for these record or these uh cassette skips at the beginning and the end so if there's a song that's like really stand out on the album with the production of it it's that one for sure it's totally go down the line you can describe i'm gonna say each song you can describe it with one word you can kind of talk about it talk about the lyrics i have a few questions about specific songs but uh dwell uh dwell is the song that started it all and that's why it is track one on the album. It's still the uh, original version I recorded, but this was essentially a song that I uh, had rushed out to make when Sophia first told me we got that gig and says, hey, we have a band. I'm like, okay, I guess we need songs. So that was the first one I came up with. And it just, uh, it, it felt so, it came out quickly. So I knew that this was kind of the, the blueprint for the band. So Dwell is the one that started it all. So it's track one. Steering wheel. Uh, steering wheel is a is an older one that I wrote with uh, Cooper, and we wrote it long before Trestles, back when we were just sort of hanging out writing songs together for no project in particular. And when uh, Trestles started, he came to me and said, "Hey, we have all these songs. Let's bring them to the band." And steering wheel was the one that stuck. So uh, that that one kind of became a live favorite for a lot of people who learned the words before it came out so that one we knew was kind of that was an important one for us so yeah special great great one for a great one for like a second song especially yeah feels feels like a good second song absolutely it's usually second on the set list too so it definitely has it feels like song two there's something about yeah. it you get, you get people to the audience or in the audience for the first song and then you just give them a banger for the second it makes sense uh rip curl sweatshirt Riff Girl Sweatshirt's the big one for us. That's the one that we recorded with uh, CJ in his home studio. And um, basically, it's a, it's the lyrically, it's a tribute to my friends and the, in the band in particular, Sophia and Cooper. And uh, details a night of us going to uh, San Francisco to go see a show. And uh, it was a real event. And it was a real like kind of core memory for me. So that. That's how that song came. And uh, when we first released it as a single, it got put on a Spotify playlist. In fact, it got put on three, actually. So that was what kind of gave it its big numbers and you know, made us start taking the band super duper seriously. Because we're like, whoa, that's a big number. And uh, you know, kind of makes you excited about things, even though it's just a number on a screen. Yeah. Um, backstage Girl. I'm also curious to see if you have any... Um have any uh thing to say about the lyrics at all uh yeah that that song is kind of an amalgam or it's it's a combination of two two stories one is just the day-to-day experience i get from uh playing shows at urbani cellar in santa cruz which kind of became our spot to play or i mean there's a lot of band spots but for us it was kind of where you know it was the old stomping grounds where we built an audience for the first time and 
had a local presence and it's sort of talks a lot about the charms of you know just like a small room that smells like cigarettes and it's just like how rock and roll does it get you can't top that um and then it's also a combination uh, between just sort of being around that and then the story of my friend's uh, interest in another person and just kind of like being afraid to talk to them. You combine those two and you got a story of someone, you know, chasing someone around in a venue and that, you know, kind of just feels like the sort of stuff we see day to day. So that's what that song's about. Yeah. It's like a, I guess like just a little bit of a break to uh, how, what's, what is your like lyric writing process? Do you just like sit down and do it? Is there kind of like, you just kind of constantly journaling stuff or what's the idea behind the vocals? I have uh, I have two sort of sources for vocals is one, you know, for a chorus, it's just like, that's the start. You have to have a good chorus or else you don't have a good song. And so I sort of kind of let whatever falls out of my mouth fall out of my mouth for a chorus. And then I let that determine the rest of it. And I could usually build a story around it for the verses and whatnot. But for the verses to kind of like spice it up and add little clever things in there, I always I have a notes I have a notes document on my phone where whenever I say something that I think is kind of clever or could be interpreted as sounding kind of cool, I write it down. And what um, uh, my girlfriend told me to call it the barsenal because it's my arsenal of bars. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I draw from there whenever I need to fill in the blank and I, yeah, sort of play a game with it, but start to the chorus, work, work your way backwards. That's my way. Oh yeah. Bad party trick. Your thoughts on that? Oh, bad party chick. Oh, that's that's a fun one. That was the first real like start to finish musical collaboration with everyone in the band. Because all the other songs are kind of like someone had an idea and it was sort of their song and it got built into something and the live version changed. But this one, everything about it is just a full band collaboration between the four of us who play instruments. And uh, it started as sort of it was an instrumental for a really long time until I could throw some words on it, but it's, it's very much a tribute to what I was talking about earlier with that sort of early garage rock, just simple building block pop rock music with just trying to build like hype moments with the call and response guitars and the drums going to 16th really quickly. And it's, it's, it's a little musical flex for the drums for sure with that track. Yeah, for sure. I uh, definitely noticed that. Um, yeah, for a second, what, uh, drums, um, you know, you know what I think about your band and the drummer, was it Malana? Malana. Malana. Malana, yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's let's talk about, talk about her. Um, cause shit, she's, she's fast. She's fast. And has an incredible sound dynamics on the kit, like makes the crashes pop. The snare always sounds good. And just like generally a great performer, so that that's it's hard to find a good drummer in general. Absolutely, no, it's it's the common struggle, and I know every every person says this ever, but like how a drummer is the make or break aspect of a band, and if that's the case, then I've got a pretty damn good band. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very lucky to have her, and when she showed up, it was it, it was a new level of sort of like intricacy with dynamics that i had never experienced before with a drummer and it's it's uh she's easy to work with she's very easy to work with and uh i i am very appreciative of all that she has provided to the band so far 
That's great. Second peak. Uh, second peak. That that one was a creation by me, Milena, and Cooper. And on the record, Cooper and Milena sort of sing it as a duet together. Um, and it's sort of combining the two, like sort of flavors of this like surf indie vibe that we're chasing where it has these kind of quiet choruses with the slower vibe here, like acoustic guitars and weird, like kind of floaty synths. Um, and then it kicks into the, the sort of more Fiddler inspired, like surf punk stuff. Uh, shout out Subpar, a band that from Santa Cruz that I took a lot of inspiration from where it's got, you know, sort of that revved up punk sense of that sort of stuff. That's, gets us excited and uh really fun live to have such extreme two dynamics but uh yeah that's the inspiration for that one all right that's how it goes uh that's how it goes is uh one that milena wrote and sings on the album and she brought it to us a long long time ago back when we had some different people in the band and she would come up and perform it. It was sort of like her thing because she used to play guitar in the band before she played drums. And that was sort of her song to go up and perform. And then we forgot about it when she shifted to being the drummer for the longest time. And then for the album, we re reworked it just because it's a fun little catchy number. And um, it's uh, I'm glad she gets her song on the album because she's a very talented singer. She's the best singer in the band. I don't know what I'm doing up in the front. <laughs> uh yeah not a lot not a lot of bands let the drummer uh sing a song make a song so damn yeah you got a whole yeah good crew uh half past noon uh half past noon was sort of the last one finished on the album and it sort of exists because we don't have a lot of slow songs and it does that sort of like more like bigger distorted reverby slow drip sound that we haven't really explored a ton of in that genre and having that be sort of like a slower like ooh, kind of trippier song with a synth on the top as well uh kind of fill the hole that the album was missing for that type of song and it came really late and it got finished really late and had about 10 different vocal melodies written for it before it was finished but um i'm glad it made it because uh, there were some other ones that were cut, and I think that this one had a lot of potential, and we didn't see it to the last minute, but it made it. And people have been saying good things about it, although we've never played it live, so we really have no idea how the public perceives it. I'll be honest, I didn't get, I haven't got this far on the album yet, so it's like kind of a slower song, more ballady. Is that right? Yeah, a little more, little more ballady. Still, I mean, still mid-tempo rock song, like from the rest of the album, but this one's definitely the start of like it slowing down which ultimately ends in the final track we'll transition yeah. bite the bullet is uh like i said earlier we we reimagined this song that we've had for a while that was written by sophia and did it the way that she intended it to sound and i think it's all the better for it there was no need to kind of turn it into a uh, faster indie song other than we just wanted exciting music to play but bringing it back to how it was written as a slow acoustic guitar song uh kind of felt like the right way to close the album what sort of like um because as an album you know usually people it's like it 
it ramps up to kind of like the first three, four, five songs, and then it kind of like gets into a little bit more interesting stuff, and then it kind of gets like trippy near the end. What are your that that's generally how it goes, I guess. Kind of what are your examples of like well crafted albums that you maybe based it for this album or just in general that you love? Uh yeah, no, that's that's typically the the trajectory I I would totally agree with where we kind of put our like the first five sort of a peak and then like side split like like you're flipping the record it's like then the second half brings you the more artsy songs and then ultimately ending in some sort of like weird artistic statement which for us was the acoustic song on it that we recorded on tape um but i think sort of following the the two hump method with the energy like woo woo and then you know that that's that's how i structure set lists too honestly i think it's a very similar chemistry yeah um what are your what are your summer what are some of your favorite albums uh some of my favorite albums an album that like immediately sticks out to me is kind of doing that and is another one of those sort of like bible albums for writing pop rock in my opinion is um whatever people say i am that's what i'm not the debut by arctic monkeys i think that has a real perfect album structure with you know some really hit you in the face openers and a lot of excitement in the first half that ends in like Okay, it slows down quiet song in the middle uh, with uh, Riot Van and then another side of like exciting things ultimately ending in one of the more artsy songs. And I think it, that's that's just kind of how you make an album. It's great. What kind of young kid were you like? What, what were you like as a kid in general? Uh, what sort of people did you hang out with? I definitely changed. I've changed. Uh, I've been a lot of people in my life. And I think every time I switched schools, I became a different person. When I was like real young, I was a total, total rule follower, you know, do, do everything I can to the best of my ability. I always try and be a good person like that, but I was, I was an exceedingly like rule follower type. Yes. Teacher, I'll do my homework uh, person in elementary school. And then I started, I started being more of a goofball in uh middle school because you discover you're either like trying to be really cool or trying to be really funny and i preferred trying to be a little goofier so um i I thought i was like kind of a goofy kid and then um in high school i was just a busy kid i i didn't get to do a lot of the things i kind of wanted to do in high school just because i was doing a lot of things like I, i was you know doing sports working jobs doing basically filling out a schedule as best as I could but now that now that I've gone off to college and got to be my own person I I think I just like working hard at something like music that's like more creative so above all else I think that's the that's the one consistent thing in my life is trying to be a creative person and find creative ways of doing things because I'm kind of lazy what uh I guess what, what do you see some, as some of the challenges in your band uh some of the challenges in the band uh i mean we've we've lucked out with sort of the trajectory and stuff and i I think breaking santa cruz is kind of the next big goal for us like i i have no real complaints with everything that's happened so far we've 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 accomplished a lot in a little amount of time but um breaking out of the town would be good i mean we play shows outside of santa cruz frequently um but santa cruz is the only place we could really you know headline our own show and have a good number of people come out if we ever play anywhere outside of town like we're we're opening for someone else and 
no complaints with that. I've enjoyed meeting people. It's like kind of the most gratifying experience I've ever had. But um, I, I guess finding an audience outside of town because we are so catered to be a Santa Cruz band that you know it's it's we're gonna see if other people like that sound too, and that's that's where we're at. They will. Um, and uh, I always ask every single person who's on the show this. What is your idea of success for yourself? Um, my idea of success for myself is uh, just living a life in which I am happy. And by proxy, I make other people happy. And uh, whether that's with this band or not, I don't know. I like to think that this band makes other people happy. And just at least the process of it, just to my bandmates, where we all enjoy what we're doing because we're working hard at something and it gets good response if that's making them happy and that's making me happy then i'm living the most successful life life i possibly could you know that's kind of it there you go let's uh wrap this up soon but what sort of shout outs do you have uh shout outs uh coming out this friday is slutney's debut ep slutney's a really cool kick-ass femme band ucsc scene we absolutely love them their EP, Another Something Nice, is coming out this Friday. Big shout out to that. Go listen to that. Pre-save that. Do all that good stuff. Um, shout out to our album. Listen to it. It just came out Halfway Up the Hill by Trestles. Uh, we worked hard on it, and you might like it, too. Uh, and thanks, Mom and Dad. I love you. And that's about it. All right. And... Um... I guess any uh, anything else you want to add? Anything to your uh, to the fans? So you know what I think is so cool about this interview in general is you're gonna go. You're gonna be doing so many things, especially if you're already producing your album. If you have like this, you know, good head on your shoulders, which I've always said. I think that's like the reason why I've wanted to interview you so much. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think <clears throat> what would, what would be something kind of to your future self? that you might want to uh, listen back. Cause I think you're going to listen to this in 10 years and be stoked. Um, <laughs> what's something to your future self that you might want to say? Well, I certainly hope that I'm stoked when I listen to this in 10 years. Uh, maybe we'll see if you've gotten better at talking on radio. Cause this is my first time doing this. This is super fun. I'm stoked. I get to do it with my homeboy Zen here. Uh, well, I hope, I hope, you're still as excited about it as you are right now. Cause I'm pretty damn excited about it. All right, cool. Well, this has been the Zen Perry project. Hunter Kelly of Trestles. We'll talk Ooh. in a second right after this, but uh, I'll stop that recording. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Zen Prairie project. Make sure to follow the Zen Prairie project on Instagram Leave us a review for any of the episodes that you liked and consider sharing this with a friend that might be interested in this sort of show. We'll see you next time.